You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Collective Cafe, a virtual coffee experience which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in both Alpha Collective's Discord, that's discord.gg forward slash alpha collective and startup clubs house in clubhouse it's free it always will be free there are no strings attached there is no bait and switch lurk or listen only chat with one another in our back chat or even come onto stage the coffee shop is open for business whether you're on the treadmill getting the kids ready for school getting yourself ready for work commuting into the big bad city or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom to your home office on monday we manifest on tuesday we talk thought leadership on wellness wednesday we discuss mental health wellness and life skills on thursday we do live book reads and discussions with the author and then on friday it's no agenda friday where there is no agenda start your day off on the right foot on the front foot with virtual coffee with the collective cafe where we mastermind we manifest we collaborate we help one another at the business of web3 or anything else that intersects whether it's culture collaboration creativity innovation disruption entrepreneurship or coaching so give us a subscribe bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go or a review on your favorite podcast platform if you're listening on demand or of course join us every day live it is addictive and remember it is a safe welcoming space and you will never ever be put on the spot this is alpha collectives collective cafe my name is joseph jaffe well good morning good morning everybody it is 8:01 a.m eastern standard time it is believe it or not January 31st, it is the end of January, and uh, I'm not going to lie, I don't, I, I would like to have been further in January than I am, um, in terms of uh, my own personal goals, kind of feel like it's been a, a slow start to the year, I don't know about you, um, but um, not giving up, never give up, can't give up, and uh my sense is that people, you know, my sense is that people are are, um, are feeling the same way at the moment. It's been a bit of a slow start to the to 2024, and uh, and that doesn't mean it's going to stay slow. I think things are going to pick up. There, are interesting things going on in the world, in the economy. Certainly, um, interest rate. Um, you know, uh, looks like the interest rate's going to drop a, a couple points, a couple times. Um, crypto, uh, e- Bitcoin ETF approvals, but obviously a lot of war and unrest, uncertainty, uh, both politically, uh, geopolitically. Um, and so it makes for um, an unsettled type of, uh, of environment. 
it's a, it's probably a very good segue for what we're going to discuss today, um, which is talking about um, underrated emotions in the workplace. And uh, I, I'll share some links with all of you in a moment. Just want to say, um, whoever's here in Clubhouse and on Discord, you know, it's 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 interesting trying to build community here and build audience, um, and dealing with algorithms and dealing with um, with sometimes you know you have headwinds and, and tailwinds. Uh, yesterday we opened up a room. We had about two hundred and forty, two hundred and fifty people that came through. Um, today it looks like a slow start in Clubhouse, and it's hard to kind of get a sense as to what works and what doesn't work and how to work it and how not to work it. Um, but you just got to keep soldiering on. You got to keep, I call it uh, in, in my new book, Forever Changed, I talk about this idea of plodding with purpose. Every day, just put one foot in front of the other. Just keep moving, plod, plod, plod. You know, and recognize sometimes the, the ground below us is is muddy and and it's murky and it's heavy and it's like walking through cement drying cement or through you know quicksand or a swamp but you just got to keep plodding and the key word is with purpose right you've got to um it's not just the it's not just purposeful plodding right just this idea of uh, goal number 1 is keep moving don't stop if you stop you atrophy if you atrophy you stagnate you you fall back you move back you you fall behind that's the one way to think about it the other way when we talk about plodding with purpose is you're purposeful because you're moving forward and it helps it helps when you're moving forward towards a place when you're moving towards a goal to a destination to an outcome to a commitment objective these are all the things that are part of this idea of what it is to plod with purpose. And so we keep doing that. We keep moving forward. We keep figuring out um, how to move forward. Um, and, and, don't get distra- and don't get distracted by everything happening around you. How many people are in the room? How many people are not in the room? How many likes? How many followers, etc.? Those are Those are vanity metrics to a degree. For me... What I do is I focus on the content. I focus on the integrity of that content. I focus on the routine. I focus on building good habits. I focus on on a prize which, you know, I can see it. I can smell it. I can taste it. I can touch it. Uh, sometimes it feels a little bit elusive, but you just keep moving forward. And so that's kind of the, the pretext, if you will, or the context um, behind... This idea of of creating some kind of um, routine and some kind of consistency in terms of moving forward. All right. So today, what I want to do is I want to talk about. Uh, I saw um, on LinkedIn a post that actually talks about eleven underrated emotions of change narratives in business storytelling, and it comes from a Harvard business. So. Jeremy uh, Cannell Waite um, actually uh, put the post together and I invited him to come and join me today. But he said, you know, it was very, very short notice. I literally reached out to him um, like late, lo- late last night. Um, and I just saw it and I was like, yeah, let's, let's discuss this today in the Collective Cafe. It's Wellness Wednesday. We talk about mental health, mental wellness, but we also talk about skills and leadership, um, et cetera, et cetera. So this, uh, this is based on uh, a Harvard Business Review um, article that is called 10 Underrated Emotions in Change Narratives. 
And, uh, and so what Jeremy did is he put together this really beautiful uh, chart or diagram, and he even added uh, an 11th one. Now, if you are in Clubhouse, um, you know, the main home for the Collective Cafe is Discord. And one of the advantages of having Discord is that we can use a back channel. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to upload right now um, the file, the actual chart. So if you want to see it, um, what I need you to do, I mean, it's very hard to do it in Clubhouse, uh, but if you if you will, um, just go to discord.gg. In fact, I'll put that link up now. I forget to put that link up sometimes. Um, so I'm just going to put up the link, the pinned link. Uh, it's discord.gg forward slash um, Alpha Collective. That's the home for Alpha Collective and also the home for um, the Collective Cafe. So this will allow you, um, if you go in and you go to the channel that says Cafe Chat, you'll actually be able to see that uh, diagram and be able to save that diagram or use that diagram. But for you today, I'm going to walk through these uh, these 11. And it's great because, um, you know, what he basically did was he added, uh, in this case, Jeremy, he added the 11th, which is surprise. So I guess what I'm going to do for this one is um, I'll do surprise lost. Um, I'm going to start off with the others. And these are all, remember, the context for this are underrated emotions in the workplace. So I think we almost need to kind of take a step back for a moment and just recognize that emotions in general are most likely underrated in the workplace. Um, you know, we operate under under very artificial um, circumstances uh, in, in the workplace. We don't typically show our emotions. We don't typically open up. We're typically not open and honest. Um, we don't normally demonstrate vulnerability to our coworkers. Um, we, you know, we have we have work mode and then there's home mode, and for the most part, um, the two don't mix like oil and water. But you know, there's also a culture in the workplace that I think is. It's borderline toxic at the best of times, but there's, there's like a passive aggressiveness that operates. Um, and there's also this, you know, besides the politics and the passive aggressiveness, there also isn't a lot of, um, there's, there's sometimes an absence of, of empathy. You know, I know I'm painting a pretty uh, bleak picture, um, but we also uh, don't, don't say what's on our mind. Now, what Jeremy actually refers to is he refers to Daniel Goleman's um, work on emotional intelligence. And I think it's very important to actually recognize and reflect on what we're talking about here. Because we're talking about EQ in addition to IQ. So at EOS, at the Entrepreneurial Operating System, which is, which is what I coach, I coach, I'm a business coach and, and I coach leadership teams on the, EO, on the operating system that is called EOS and the whole set of tools. But we talk about this idea of healthy and smart. Healthy and smart refers to emotional intelligence and IQ, right? So there's EQ and IQ intelligence quotient and emotional quotient. There's the ability to recognize that we need to use both 
There is a left brain and a right brain approach. There is logic and emotion. We need both. So the emotional intelligence is the ability for us to show our emotions, demonstrate our emotions, use our emotions, harness our emotions, understand our emotions. There also are a couple of additional levels or layers that are important. For example, this idea of open and honest, transparency, vulnerability, just say it. Address the elephant in the room. Don't sweep it under the rug. We talk about the concept of enter the danger. Enter the danger means you are getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. You're just saying it. You are in an environment that you hope is safe, but you're prepared to actually venture out of that comfort zone or that safe zone in order to get to a better place for the greater good of the organization, the company, the brand, your department, your own mental health, other people's mental health. That's what it is to enter the danger. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel good at, you know, initially. It feels prickly. It feels awkward. It feels uncomfortable. But you know what's worse? Is repressing it or bottling it up or hiding it or... You know, or taking out that frustration on your loved ones when you leave the office. And going back to the passivity, I spoke about passive-aggressive, but there's also a passivity. To that, to your point, we say that a lot, to your point, to your point, or I think we're saying the same thing. We're so afraid to upset someone or step on their toes that we... We almost compromise ourselves. We become someone else. We're almost wearing a mask. We're putting on a disguise. We're not being ourselves. We're not feeling ourselves. We're doing ourselves, our colleagues, our clients, the company a disservice when we don't just say it. So learning how understanding our emotions and then learning how to use our emotions, not abuse them, not misuse them, not use them or weaponize emotions, but actually pour into them and allow them to, to move us forward. That to me is the essence, is the sense of what we're talking about today. So I'm going to go through these 11 emotions for you. And, um, you know, throughout, feel free to, the, the essence, the spirit of the Collective Cafe, we do this Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We've been doing this since June of 2022, every single day. Typically, we're in Discord, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. We tried for a while to do it in, in Clubhouse, then when Clubhouse changed the whole algorithm, we kind of stopped and then tried uh, Twitter Spaces for a while. But now we're back here and we're going to just give it a proper go. By the way, I've just put two um, claim codes in, in the chat. These are POAPs. The POAP is called Proof of Attendance Protocol. They're the links. There are only two available today. So there's, uh, it starts with app.poap.xyz. And it's just for the first two people that claim them today. 
but you will end up basically minting a badge. It's an NFT of sorts, but you'll end up minting and it can be put into a custodial wallet. So you don't even, you, you typically just need an email address, but it's proof that you were here. It's proof that you had a virtual coffee with me in 2024, January. I think I might have an extra one. If you, uh, if you collect all 12, I think we'll probably do 12 of them. If you collect all 12, um, you'll be able to redeem them for maybe an hour of an hour with me, maybe lunch, maybe a signed copy of my book. So there are going to be different ways that you can essentially experience um, something different, something different and hopefully something exciting. Maybe it's a, a walk-on role on my show. Joseph Jaffe is not famous. Maybe it's uh, a bit of consulting. Maybe it's some free training for your company. There are all different ways that you're going to be able to get involved. So let's get into our 11 emotions. So the first motion, motion, the first emotion is frustration. And I'll read this to you. Frustration is a great source of inspiration for many entrepreneurs. Tap into the things that frustrate you and use them as motivation to change something. Hate waiting too long for a taxi? Well, that's the story of Uber. Spending too long comparing flight options? That's the story behind Kayak. Frustrated with paying late fees for video rentals? That's the story behind Netflix. Here's my take on it. And for all of these, I'll give you my take. Frustration is powerful. Just like curiosity. You know, when we talk about, when we talk about um, some of the great startups, some of the great ideas, they are all born out of frustration or curiosity. Asking questions. There is that wonderful saying, there are those who see things and ask why, and then there are those who see things that could be and ask why not. But I often say to startup founders, just what, what an irritates you? What frustrates you? What, quite frankly, pisses you off? Tap into that. When you say, oh, why are things like this? Why can I never tell when the bus is arriving? And I stand outside and it's pouring with rain and it's windy and it's cold and it's hot and it's snowing, etc. And sometimes I miss the bus by five seconds and other times I'm waiting for 25 minutes. Well, today that problem doesn't exist anymore. For the most part, because all that was needed to change that was just putting GPS trackers on the bus and being able to digitize a timetable being able to determine to the minute when the bus is going to arrive. For every frustration, there is a solution. You know, we say that, you know, um, for every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. But for every frustration, there is a solution. And when you feel yourself being frustrated, and maybe you're frustrated with a colleague, maybe you're frustrated with a client, but tap into that and use it as a, as a force for good, as a force for creativity or creation, as a solution force, if you will. 
When you feel that frustration, don't let it overcome or overpower you. What you don't want to do is take it out on someone. But recognize that feeling, that feeling is a spark for for creativity, for change, to find a solution because there's always a way. You have to believe that there's always a way. You know, with all these emotions, one of the most powerful things to do is, is what's called labeling them. And labeling them is tough because the idea is to be able to identify them in the moment. In the moment. Hey, what's going on here? What, what, what is this? What, what is this weird feeling? What's going on right now? Oh, I know what that is. That's frustration. And when you label it, you can compartmentalize it. And when you can compartmentalize it, you kind of know what you're dealing with. And and when you are able, and when you are able to deal with it, and you are able to actually recognize it, then you can actually do something about it. All right, so the next emotion is regret. This typically relates to our interactions with others. We regret a careless comment or not saying something that could have made a difference. As uncomfortable as this emotion is, often as uncomfortable as this emotion is, it often shows us what to do differently next time so that past mistakes can accelerate future successes. So there's a huge point here about regret. And I I've done, you know, I've done a lot of of soul searching. By the way, I just realized I just saw a note that said um that this is a closed room. Is that possible? Let me see. Cause I when I was uh, I'm just trying to see if this is in fact a closed room. Hard to say. No, I don't know. Sorry, I was just looking at something because I saw, I saw that um, that when I sent a text to someone, it said, um, "No, it's weird. I'm still trying to figure out what's going on here. It doesn't appear that it's a closed room, but you never know." So maybe, maybe if you if you wouldn't mind uh, the people that are in today, because yesterday we had. Um, quite a large number of people and today it seems like a little bit smaller so i wonder um or if if you wouldn't mind people that are listening just put a few comments uh into the chat which is is this a closed room how did you find the room were you members of startup club still trying to just figure out exactly um how to you know how to kind of um (laughs) use clubhouse at the moment which of course is a little bit challenging for us Anyway, let's carry on. All right. So this the second the second emotion which is regret. You know, I had Dan Pink on my show and 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 he wrote an entire book on regrets. Um and he says, you know, regret is is healthy. Um thank you so much uh for that comment uh Ornan. Um Dan Pink says you know, the the subtitle of the book is regrets how looking you know how looking backwards can move us 
forward. And um, it is so powerful, he says, to have regrets. Because, you know, the opposite, the opposite is to say, oh, I have no regrets in my life. And if you think about it, that's insane. Can you imagine going through your entire life not having regrets? You know, being able to say everything I did, I, I, I could not have done it differently. I would not have done it differently. I'm so perfect. Even the mistakes, even the times you've messed up, but you wouldn't have done it differently. It, it doesn't make sense. Because in those situations, it means that you're not learning. You're not growing. You know, you're not being able to say, hey, next time, if there is a next time, I'll do things differently as well. We're not perfect. We are works in progress. And so being able to actually tap into it, you know, with all these emotions, I would say there's a common theme and a common thread, which is master them, you know, take control of those emotions as opposed to let them control you. But sometimes you also have to give up a little bit of control. So there is a, an interesting, the same concept as fear. You know, being afraid is like a spidey sense. Being able to sometimes be a little bit apprehensive or being nervous before you give a presentation. If you shut it up and shut it down, if you close yourself off, you don't actually take advantage of the positive aspects of it. But if you actually allow it to take over or take you over, then it will take you down. So regret as an emotion and being able to admit it and tap into it, you know, lose the battle, win the war. This whole aspect of, you know, I know it, it also is regarded as toxic positivity, which is actually next week's show. You, you might please subscribe to my, my talk show, Joseph Jaffe's Not Famous. Um, Alan Wolpert just wrote a book called The Two-Butt Rule. But really, really powerful stuff that allows you to kind of, you know, take control and turn negative into positive. So toxic positivity, which we discussed, an element of that is what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. But in this particular case, if you can live to fight another day and tap into regret, you're in a better place. All right, emotion number four, enthusiasm. The most effective change storytellers are, the most effective change storytellers are evangelical about the future. They reveal their excitement at every turn, so don't hold yourself back. When preparing the introduction of any presentation, always make sure that you give your audience a reason to be excited about what you're about to tell them. So the interesting thing about enthusiasm is... Um, that sometimes, I mean, I am like a lapdog. You know, I am like a, I get so excited about things. I do. And, and I recognize sometimes that it's, um, it, doesn't always, it doesn't always work for me. It actually can backfire. Um, it seems sometimes that I'm too eager. And, you know, when raising money or, or you know, getting someone to, to take a chance on me or believe in me, I feel sometimes that, that I 
I overdose on excitement and enthusiasm. But there is a powerful aspect about being evangelical, about loving what you do, about being passionate. And if you think about it, if you don't, who will? There's also an interesting point that I want to uh, reference in the Harvard Business Review article um, that actually says this word, this emotion is problematic, especially with women. And and, and I'm quoting here, uh, Americans are cautioned against being too enthusiastic at work. In fact, one of us was once advised never to use the word excited as a woman with with its suggestion of an unruly, downright feminine lack of control. So we obviously need to change that. We need to kind of create a much safer, more inclusive means of being able to adapt, embrace, integrate, and understand the emotion of enthusiasm. Emotion number five, devotion. We sometimes withhold the full expression of our devotion, our commitment to someone else's success, in the mistaken belief that it will make it harder to hold that person accountable for for performance. It won't. Successful communication is as much about your presence as it is about your performance. So when we talk about devotion, it's interesting because there is... um, almost a a fear that when you are devoted, committed to a person or to a project, etc., that that and performance standards and accountability are mutually exclusive. So the point here is that, you know, you can be all in on someone or someone else's success. So all in, committed, devoted, and still demand results and accountability. It's, it's interesting because it almost seems like there is a, a, a weakness here, a perceived weakness. Which is if I like you, then I'm going to give you a free pass. Or I'm going to give you um, a kind of softer landing, or I'm going to give you unfair treatment, or maybe some you know favored nation status. Now, listen. With all of these emotions, it's important to recognize again that we have to harness them. We have to, you know, we have to understand when and how and how much and in what order and what quantity. These are, in many respects, you could look at it, and you know, when you look at that beautiful chart that I've put into Discord, um, maybe an interesting analogy is, think of them as, as colors of paint on a palette. So Jeremy uh, Cannell Waite created this beautiful palette. But if you just create you know, a rainbow with one color, it's not much of a rainbow, is it? If you mix colors, right, if you mix blue and yellow, you get green. But if you mix all of the colors, you're just going to end up with a, with, with a black. So there is an art 
associated with being able to understand how and in what order and quantity, etc. Emotion number six, happiness. And with all of these, I'm reading a blurb that, uh, that Jeremy wrote, and then I'm giving you my take on it. The late Tony Shea built his shoe and clothing empire Zappos on a foundation of happy employees, customers, and suppliers. His book, Delivering Happiness, is a masterpiece. Let his legacy be that we listen more closely to the story he came to tell us. It's a very sad part of the story because Tony had a lot of mental health issues and depression and he ended up taking his life. In spite of this, not because, but in spite of. But in this particular case, this was the message. And it's one that he was able to infuse and introduce not just to Zappos, and the Zappos ecosystem and Amazon that bought Zappos, but so many people. The first part of the formula in Forever Changed is amor, love what you do, the pursuit of happiness. Because when you love what you do, you are truly, truly happy. So this sounds like an int- it sounds like a weird emotion that we would say is undervalued or or maybe untapped. But the fact remains, you can see when people are happy. You can see it in, in their, whether they're you know, hunched over, whether they're walking slowly, whether they're walking and acting as if they have like a 100-pound weight on their shoulders. You can see when people love what they do. And by the way, you can love what you do as a you know as someone who sweeps the floors and you can hate what you do as the ceo of a fortune 500 company people that are proud of who they are and what they do and where they work it just shows it shines through and ultimately the way they treat others is a direct, you know, line. There's a straight line, a, a direct connection between the concept of being happy and content and proud, however you want to look at it. Well, emotion number six, sorry, emotion number seven is discomfort. We are wired to avoid this feeling. Yet so much good happens outside our comfort zone, whether it's learning something new or confronting an unfamiliar problem. As IBM's then-CEO Ginny Rometty told attendees at Fortune's Most Powerful Woman Summit, growth and comfort don't coexist. This is a powerful, powerful idea. Growth and comfort don't coexist. Meaning to say... That when you are comfortable, you are not growing. And I've used the analogy many times, even when we think about, you know, destruction, creative destruction, or even just the concept of muscles. We work our muscles, we tear them. We actually, we, we, we get out of our comfort zone. 
we visibly yell in 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 pain we make noises when we're pumping iron when we're pushing those you know when we're pushing our limits and then our muscles tear and then they repair stronger than before if you want to grow you've got to be able to be pre- be prepared to enter that danger to get comfortable with being uncomfortable this discomfort just like frustration these are signs of life these are signs to us that we are entering the growth zone and again if we're able to label we're able to say hey wait a second what's going on here i'm 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 feeling a little uncomfortable and because i'm feeling uncomfortable let me let me harness this let me label this let me figure out almost out of body let me take a moment to make a mental note about what's going on where i am who i'm with what i'm thinking about what my challenges are use those use that emotion to move forward this discomfort the idea of it, you know it goes against um everything it goes against our gut and our intuition actually because it everything in our in our body everything in our head is saying stop I don't like this. This is not this doesn't make me feel good. You know, we are hardwired as humans to resist change. We are hardwired, hardwired to avoid things that don't make us feel good or comfortable or safe. and this is one of those clear signs to rewire our brain this is the essence of neuroplasticity we don't want to spend all of our days being uncomfortable being fearful being frustrated but little elements of it healthy amounts can help us give us that that push that that boost that impetus that ability to move forward and sometimes we have to create them sometimes we can actually create moments you know something that we um we discussed yesterday is you know scheduling time to be depressed or scheduling time to worry scheduling time to actually say to feel sorry for yourself scheduling time to argue almost looking forward to it if you've created an environment that is safe and an environment that is safe and this is a key point here an environment a work environment that is safe is one that allows and recognizes but allows emotions 
to sit at the table with intellect. Again, the concept of healthy and smart. Now the next emotion is anger. This is often a mask for more complex feelings such as disappointment and sadness. Do some emotional digging. What is living beneath the anger? What can you learn from it? Can you harness it as a motivating force? Anger can motivate action, but be careful of using it as the sole catalyst for change, since it is often short-lived and unsustainable. So I think the key point here, first of all, there is a place <coughs> for anger. And, you know, and, and suppressing it, as the Harvard Business Review article says, will convert it into an internal toxin. Now, it's interesting because, you know, we spoke about earlier the, the emotion of enthusiasm and the problematic nature of it with respect to women, but anger is one that is problematic um, with black professionals. So, so the HBR article notes that black professionals expressing anger at work are more likely to pay a price for that choice. So again, it is tricky and it's problematic. But the point that both Jeremy makes and the article makes is that anger is often a mask for a more complicated feeling like disappointment or sadness. So I'm angry with you because you didn't get your job, you didn't, you didn't deliver, you didn't say what, you know, you, you didn't keep your promises. There's, there, there's certainly frustration. There are other elements but what I find interesting is the connection between anger and disappointment or sadness. So what you need to take away from this is anger is often a proxy or a mask for something else. Dig a little bit deeper. Try and understand what the underlying emotion is, both in terms of others, how they're acting towards others or to you. But when you're displaying that anger, What's really going on? And ultimately, disappointment or sadness, they feel like different emotions, don't they, to anger? Yet one triggers the other. Are you disappointed in them or are you disappointed in yourself? Again, label it, understand it, and then be able to figure out how to move forward. Well, let's jump from anger to joy. Brendan uh, Brendan Burchard is one of the world's top executive performance coaches. His slogan, Bring the Joy, is not just a bumper sticker quote, but the foundation of his entire program. Joyful communicators who exhibit positive energy and speak with optimism are more likely to accelerate change than those who don't. This again comes back to the love what you do. Happiness and joy. But what we're seeing here with this emotion as well is this essence of, um, of positivity and optimism. I have to read you this from the HBR uh, article because it's, it's fantastic. Joy is one of legendary NBA coach Steve Kerr's four core team values, 
along with mindfulness, compassion, and competition, which he credits with fueling the Golden State Warriors' extraordinary success. The joy part often surprises people, at least until they see Kerr's Warriors cheerfully dominate the court. By the way, joy is not all is not uh, is also not equitably accessed, which is why it's still an act of resistance for some of us. Not all of these emotions are often available to all of us. We've already, you know, spoken about um, about black professionals and also women. So what is this act of resistance? There's something really interesting about the concept of an act of resistance. Because this time we see it, we, or we, we feel it, we recognize it, and, but we don't give in to it. This is one we should be giving in to. Some we, we resist because you know, we don't want to feel bad. In this case, we almost don't want to feel good. You know, it's someone that says, this is serious stuff. We use the example when, we're, uh, when, we're tra- when I'm training with EOS. Um, the example of uh, Southwest Airline. Uh, Southwest Airline, their three uniques are low fares, lots of flights, and loads of fun. And one day, someone wrote in to Southwest, to Herb Kelleher, and said, you know, I'm really kind of like like put out of joint by this whole, you know, fun aspect. You know, you're making a joke of everything. You know, everything is lighthearted. Flying is, is serious. Flying is a is a serious affair. And if you don't actually change your ways and take this more seriously, I'm not going to fly you anymore. And Herb responded to this woman and he, and he said, Dear ma'am, we will miss you. So you deserve joy. You deserve to feel this joy. And the other point to take away from this emotion, you can tell I feel really strongly and passionately about it, is um, note how it talks about how they cheerfully dominated the court. You see, as we go through all of these, we recognize that accountability results, outcomes, success, growth. These are not A, mutually exclusive. Two, not only can they happen, but but arguably they happen and they happen even more so with the presence of these emotions fueling them, acting as catalysts. All right, we have three emotions left. Number nine is fellowship, the fellowship of the ring. Life brings all of us to our knees at some point. We need other people to help us get back up in big and small ways. That's just as true at work as anywhere else. The most effective organizations have fellowship within a community. They often have flatter hierarchies which promote inclusivity, commitment, and consensus. So let's be clear here. When we talk about fellowship, this is community. This is the ultimate killer app. When I fall, you'll pick me up. When I fall, you'll be there to catch me, knowing that someone's got your back. That's a great feeling. This kind of works well with devotion. But actually, there's something much more powerful about this. About It's, it's, it's more than just team spirit. <clears throat> this is about a genuine you know, interest 
and connection and empathy associated with wanting to help. You know, this is the the anti-value here. If this is a value, you know, fellowship is an emotion, but it also seems like a value. This camaraderie is the not made here syndrome or that's not my job. You know, it's the waiter that won't help you because you are not their table. But as an emotion, fellowship is this feeling, this want, this desire to help first. There's a selflessness. And it is as much as a it is as much a cultural connection as it is anything else. And then the final one from the Harvard Business Review article, remember there's a bonus one, which is surprise. Surprise is is grace. Psychiatrists and anthropologists such as M. Scott Peck suggest that the key to building strong communities is the ability to fight gracefully. Grace helps teams to pivot by having difficult conversations or choosing not to. However it shows up, grace demands that we first practice it on ourselves in order to be credible conduits to others. There's a lot going on here. And it begins, you know, there there are synonyms here, kindness, compassion, empathy, generosity, generosity of spirit. But there's also, um, you know, an element of of self-care, if you will. Give yourself grace first. This is the mask falling, you know, in the in the aircraft. Put it on yourself first and then take care of others because you're not going to be able to help others when you are passed out and unconscious lying on the floor. Give yourself grace means don't, you know, take yourself so seriously to the point where you won't allow yourself to have regrets. You won't give yourself a pass. You're the bar of performance, the level of perfection that you demand from yourself is so high that ultimately you can only be disappointed and therefore angry with yourself and therefore angry and frustrated with others. You see how it all is connected Give yourself grace, recognize that you are a work in progress. And with fellowship, you can come together and and challenge one another and certainly hold each other accountable. Have those tough conversations, right? Enter the danger or know when to actually pull back a little bit. Giving someone grace also can mean giving someone space. Space to figure things out. Opportunities to succeed. You have to give people opportunities to succeed, but sometimes the only way to give them an opportunity to succeed is to give them an opportunity to fail. In order for them to succeed, they have to fail. They have to fail for themselves, by themselves. And the grace allows them to be able to dust themselves off, pick themselves up, 
and try again and come back stronger, a little bit more grizzled, but also maybe a little bit wiser, a little bit more experienced, a little bit more prepared. I love the idea of fighting gracefully as well. We can argue, we can disagree, that's okay. But if the goal at the end of the day is we kind of uh, put a pin in it, come to an agreement or consensus, and then move forward, and move forward as a united front. This is as much about parenting as it is about leadership. It is as much about leadership as it is about, you know, collaboration. But at its core, you know, Grace really does talk about this idea that um, the enemy is perfection and the pursuit of perfection is a, is a fool's errand. So the final one, and this is a bonus that comes from Jeremy, is surprise. As the only emotion which has the capacity to change someone's psychological state from negative to positive, surprise, referred to as the potentiator by psychologists, is one of a storyteller's most powerful tools. One of the best questions any communicator can ask is, How will this surprise my audience? So just to kind of be clear, you know, Jeremy wrote 11 Emotions of Change Narratives, which was based on the Harvard Business Review article, which spoke about underrated emotions at work. So I just want to kind of like connect the dots here and say, well, how can surprise actually be an emotion that can be harnessed at work. And I think there are a couple of ways to think about it. One is under-promise and over-deliver. You know, surprising your boss, surprising your client, surprising your customer. Remember, if it is true that there is the ability to turn, this is the one emotion that can actually, it's almost a magical emotion that can turn, you know, a frown upside down. Well, isn't it worth exploring how to bring that into into the workplace? Whether it's injecting a bit of creativity or you know, a little bit of sometimes maybe unpredictability, but in a good way, not in a, you know, um, makes me think of, uh, uh, this dates me, but I don't care, the Pink Panther, every time uh, Peter Sellers in Inspector Jacques Clouseau, I think was his name, would come home, his, uh, his I guess, his manservant or whatever his, his title was, Keter, would like, you know, just attack him and, surprise him and in, in, in keep him on his toes and they would battle and, and fight each other. It was legendary, part of the, the Pink Panther. But, yeah, I mean, I, as I was saying, <clears throat> I think the one way to demonstrate this is the aspect 
of surprising and delighting. This is as much a cornerstone of customer service, customer experience, customer obsession, customer centricity, but the same could apply to employee engagement and the same can apply as well to even how we interact with each other uh, as a leadership team. Surprise can often be being able to tell me something I didn't know. Hey, I didn't know that, that about you. Huh. I had no idea that you were into underwater basket weaving. Sometimes it can actually endear ourselves to another person or be able to see them in a different light. So the changing emotions can also be changing some of the emotions we've covered today. Being able to, you know, deal with things like anger. To summarize today for anyone that came into the room a little bit late, Today we discussed 10 plus 1, but 10 underrated workplace emotions. Frustration, regret, enthusiasm, devotion, happiness, discomfort, anger, joy, fellowship, and grace. And then we added one because I found this through LinkedIn. Um, we added one which was actually used in context of storytelling, and, um, and it was surprise. And it came from Jeremy Cannell Waite, who actually wrote the post that I noticed and decided to dedicate it to the Collective Cafe. I hope you got value out of it. If you are in the Collective Cafe for the first time, we do this every day, Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, trying to do it again in Clubhouse, but we're always in discord.gg. Thank you so much, Gemma. I appreciate that very much. discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. You can come back every day. On Monday, we, we kind of talk about motivation and manifestation. On Tuesday, thought leadership. Wednesday, wellness. Thursday, we do live book reads. So tomorrow, I'll, I'll be starting perhaps a new book or going back to, there might be one more chapter of this amazing book called Backable by Sunil Gupta. Um, and, you know, talking about peop- getting people to take a chance on you and invest in you. And then on Friday, we do what we call No Agenda Fridays where anybody can come up to stage and take the mic and you know and be able to just either just have the floor for 5 minutes and talk about what's on their mind or ask me to talk about something etc the idea behind the collective cafe oh and there is there is um i mean we've got 160 episodes um there's a podcast version just go to i'll, I'll change that i'll put that into the link in our last 2 minutes <clears throat> but that's um bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go. So we actually have a podcast version of it with show notes, um, etc. We are doing something new in 2024, um, which is, well, we're going to do a couple of things that are new. One is um, I have a talk show called Joseph Jaffe is not famous. And I'm going to start maybe bringing in guests into the show, uh, into the collective cafe, into our virtual uh, coffee in the morning. I do want to just make sure that we have more people here. So before I do that and start bringing in guests that have been on my show, um, I want to get us consistently to a point where we have 50 to 100 people in the room. Um, and that means that if you want to help us grow this, um, just tell, come back. The most important thing you can do is come back. 
The second most important thing to do is to tell people about it. It's free. We're not charging. There's no bait and switch. And then the final point just to tell you about the Collective Cafe, the spirit of it, is that um, I don't expect you to work. I'm here to serve you, which means if you're on the treadmill, if you're getting the kids ready for school, if you're walking the dog, if you're commuting to the big bad city, then all you got to do is listen. Listen, learn, lean back. If you want to, you can comment. If you want to, um, you can raise your hand. Um, But I wanted this to be more um, in service of and in service to. And trust me, I benefit from it too. I I can use this. I mean, I'm going to put a, a LinkedIn or a Substack article together. I'm going to go out there and, and be able to incorporate these emotions into my coaching. When we produce, we consume. When we create, we also benefit from our own creations and our own content. So have an amazing day, everyone. Uh, Gemma, Anath, V, Femi, Cyril, Sincerely, Pinar, Slick, and John. While I can, I'll, I'll always call everyone out by name. And by the way, again, just before I close the room, if you go up and you see those links, app.poap.xyz, um, you have the ability to actually get a, a badge, essentially, that says you were here today. And today is the last day that you can actually qualify, well, or at least get the January uh, POAP. There's one more as well. The January POAP, if you collect all 12, um, you'll be able to get something from me. Maybe it will be a signed copy of my book. Maybe it will be a walk-on roll on my show. Maybe it will be just a, a private Zoom, etc. Um, so all you've got to do is just, uh, there are three available. There are enough people in the room to claim them. Um, and hopefully tomorrow we'll start off with a February with a, a poet for February. Have a wonderful day, everyone, and I'll see you all tomorrow. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.